0: day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Fresh Frozen Southerner podcast. My name is Jay. I hope all is well. A couple days ago, I read an article online that was tackling the hot-button topic of income inequality. Now, this was not the normal article that you've read a thousand times dealing with this subject. No, this went after, and my hat's off to them, to having the courage to do this, because nobody in the lamestream media is going to touch this with a 10-foot pole. This article dealt with income inequality in GTA Online. I'm not making a joke. That is actually what the article was about, about income inequality in an online video game. Basically, what it was dealing with is, in order to do the high-paying heists that are part of GTA Online, there are massive paywalls that you've got to get around. Uh, Most of the heists, or actually all the heists, you have to purchase a property that can cost millions of dollars before you can even start. Now, you can join other people's, but basically what the article was dealing with is new players to the game can't enjoy all the things in the game because of these paywalls. Now, I have played video games for my entire life, and coincidentally, I also play GTA Online. Now, having played video games for the last 40 years, what they're complaining about in GTA Online is nothing new. It's, it's been like that in gaming forever. There's always been a progression. You know, when you first start out, your character's very weak, you don't have good equipment, and through playing the game, you increase your player's stats, you get better equipment. Conversely, puzzles at the beginning of the game are very simple, and they get harder as they go. Enemies start out very weak and get stronger as they go. That's basically why you play the game, to increase your player's skill. Every game has had a progression like this. It just so happens that in GTA Online, the progression is based on money. How much money are you earning? How much money do you have in your bank account? GTA, your character is a criminal, and you're trying to build a criminal empire. And because of that, you start out doing petty crime. You start out stealing cars off the street, robbing convenience stores, and new stuff that you might make a few thousand dollars and as you build your character build up your money you have the opportunity to buy different businesses that will earn you money as you do other things it allows you to buy into these heists that pay out more and more money it's sort of the point of the game is that at the beginning you don't have the money to do this stuff and a lot of those heists are hard. If you try it as a very low level, it's just going to be a montage of you getting murdered by NPCs. So that's kind of the point of the game is that you increase your ability as you increase your financial position. Now, I'm not trying to make GTA sound noble because it you are a criminal and you're doing horrible criminal things. It is a lot of fun, though. And I'll be the first to admit, when you first start playing GTA Online, it's very, very grindy. You're going to have to put time in. You're going to have to spend time doing activities that don't pay a lot of money. You're going to have to do a lot of repetitive business sales as you get to the mid-levels. And you've got different businesses that you're making money from. But that's kind of the enjoyment of the game. That's, that's the process of the game. Now, there is an option if you want to. You can purchase in-game currency with real-life money. I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I've never bought in-game currency. I've only done that a couple of times, and it was right when I first started. Uh, I have put in the time now that I've got plenty of money, and I can do whatever I want to in GTA Online. But getting to the point where my character is now was part of the enjoyment and I don't understand people that buy the, a lot of the in-game currency with actual real-world money. I mean, the point of a video game is to play it and have fun playing it. If you're buying a video game that you're then spending extra money to get out of playing, why did you buy the game in the first place? Why don't you play something else? Because to me, the enjoyment in one of these video games is, is the process of getting to the end game you're not supposed to just be able to jump in and do everything all at once. It takes time to earn your way into being able to do these things. That's what makes it worthwhile. Just like any hobby, you know, there are people that build their own furniture. And of course, I'm sure that they enjoy the furniture when it's finished. But part of the enjoyment it was the process taking the raw materials and turning them into a functioning piece of furniture. If you took that part out of it, they would lose a great deal. And that's why people do it, and that's why you should be playing these games. And the fact that our social consciousness has taken a real-world issue and put it into the virtual world is a good example of how a lot of these movements, they start out with very noble, concrete goals, and they just keep going and keep going, and it gets to the point where they're sort of a parody of themselves. Everything goes off the rails at some point or another. And maybe this article was a bit tug-in-cheek, but I brought it up because it just perfectly highlights how social movements do this. PETA is a good example. PETA started out concerned with cruelty to animals. That's a very noble goal. PETA today has went so far off the deep end that they're just blatantly lying to you in their propaganda. I don't know if you guys remember, a couple of years ago, PETA put out a poster that had a lamb that looked like it had been run over by a freight train and the caption under the lamb says here is the rest of your wool sweater i don't know how many people are not aware but when you shear a sheep that sounds violent and painful it, you're basically giving the sheep a haircut you are cutting the wool off of the sheep you're not hurting the sheep in any way whatsoever Once they've sheared the sheep, they let it go. Six months or a year down the road, they'll give it another haircut. It's literally like you or me going to the barber and getting a haircut. It is not damaging to the animal. I'm sure PETA is aware of this, but, you know, you don't let truth stand in the way of a good campaign ad, I guess. I always feel like if you're having to lie to support your end of the argument, your argument's probably wrong. Now, before I get into my next example, I want to start off by saying that I am not transphobic. I'm not homophobic. I'm not making any judgments on how somebody wants to live their life. I'm saying this even though I understand that people are going to hear what they want to hear in these statements. And a lot of people are just going to hear me spouting hate and vitriol. All I ask is that you listen to the words that I use. And don't read anything into it. Don't apply any emotions that I'm not adding to the statement. Just hear what I have to say. Because when it comes to social issues and individual freedoms, I am as libertarian as anybody on this planet. I honestly do not care what you do in your life as long as it doesn't affect me. Who you date how you dress or what you do in your spare time affects me about as much as what kind of toppings you order on your pizza. I'm not eating your pizza. It's your dinner. What you choose to put on your pizza affects me in no way, shape or form. And I don't care what you do. The flip side of that coin is I hope that you are comfortable enough yourself to order whatever you want on your pizza and you shouldn't care what i think because they both add up to the exact same thing and that is a big fat zero so please don't take any of these statements as vitriolic again i'm not judging anybody's lifestyle um, but i think truth and reality do matter and we are slipping away from that particularly in the gender and transgender equality movement. Now, again, this started with very noble goals to end discrimination and to improve the lives of some pretty marginalized groups of people. That's where they started. They have very recently gone very far afield in that mission. Um, I'm referring specifically to the push to try to erase gender and the belief that there is no difference between the genders. I listen to a lot of uh, Dr. Pinsky's podcasts, and something he quotes a lot, I don't know if this is his or if he got it from somewhere else, but the person that I hear say this is Dr. Pinsky, and he likes to say that you have to deal with reality on reality's terms. And the reality is that you are not assigned a gender at birth. You are one or the other. That should not Force you into any life choices that should not put labels on anything that you do, but genetically, when a baby is born, it is either genetically female or genetically male. And that does have some consequences because reality also is that there are physical differences between men and women. I don't feel like that is a controversial statement. I feel like that is probably the most obvious statement ever made. And just beyond the obvious differences of breasts and genitalia, the skeletal structure between a man and a woman is different. The density of the bones in their skeletal structure is different. Muscular structure and strength is different in men and women. Our blood chemistry is different. Men and women have different nutritional needs. And if those physiological differences weren't enough, you can always say, well, emotionally we're the same. There have been many studies done of active brain scans on men and women while they're doing the exact same task. Men and women, when they're doing the same thing, use different parts of their brain. So in the face of all these physiological differences that are not my opinion, these are scientific facts, how you can say that men and women are 100% identical and that the differences come from the patriarchal society forcing norms on them that they never asked for. That is beyond insane to me. Imagine my wife drives a GMC Yukon, very large SUV. Imagine if I parked that Yukon beside a Toyota Prius, which is a a very small, very fuel economy driven hybrid car. Imagine if I parked those two vehicles right side by side, and then I to you that they were the exact same car. You would think I was nuts. What if I then told you that not only are those cars identical, that it's because of your ingrained prejudice and stereotypes that you see those cars differently? At that point, you would be pretty convinced that I needed mental help. Because anybody can look at a Yukon and a Prius and see that they are very different vehicles. Yes, they have some similarities, but they are totally different vehicles built for totally different specifications. But it seems like the transgender movement cannot see these simple, immutable truths. Because the push now is to allow genetic men who are transitioning to female to compete in Female sports. Now, I know I started this discussion by saying that I don't care what an individual does as long as it's not bothering anybody else. But this idea that gender doesn't exist is hurting people. Number one, it's not healthy from a mental health standpoint to convince someone that just by making a declaration will change the fabric of reality. You know, just because you want things to be one certain way. The universe does not realign to conform to what you have decided should be. I like to compare it to the scene in The Office. If you're a fan of that, you probably know the episode I'm getting ready to talk about. Uh, Michael Scott is having pretty significant money problems. Somebody in The Office suggests to him to declare bankruptcy and that would make all his debts go away. So he walks out of his office and stands in the center of the office space that they have there, and he says in a very loud voice, I declare bankruptcy. And then one of the accountants sat him down and explained that just saying the words doesn't actually do anything. You have to file paperwork and you have to go to bankruptcy court and get a ruling from a judge. That's sort of the way that I feel about, you know, if you have a 17-year-old genetically male track athlete who suddenly says you know, I've never felt comfortable as a man, I feel like I'm a woman, that's all well and good in your personal life. On the track field, you still have a very distinct physical advantage over your female competitors. And again, if this was happening in a vacuum, I would say no big deal, but this is costing genetic female athletes victories in their chosen sport. It's costing genetic female athletes to lose out on scholarships because obviously as progressive as college campuses are in this day and age, they're not going to draw a distinction between a physical man competing with genetic females or vice versa. They're just going to say, hey, this athlete set seven state records in her, his, senior year and he'll be a great addition. Well, that's knocking this poor female athlete out of a lot of opportunity. And listen, I don't I don't want to hear any pushback on females can be competitive with men. There are some activities where women's physiology is a benefit. One example that pops to mind is in the military, female soldiers consistently score higher on the rifle range than male soldiers. And I've heard that a little bit of that is that a lot of times young women don't do any shooting. So when they get to infantry training, they don't have any bad habits that the instructors have to break them of before they can teach them the right way. But the majority of this difference is is that the way women's muscles work, they are better at fine motor control. And when you're shooting at a long distance target, a Small twitch that you wouldn't even be conscious of can put your shot six inches off the target once it gets out to four and five hundred yards. So there are situations where women have an advantage over men when it comes to something physical, but let's please be honest in the vast majority of physical activities. The size advantage and the strength advantage that a genetic male has over his female elite counterparts is going to be the deciding factor. And it just ruins fair competition. You're doing something that gives you a clear and unfair advantage. Any other way that pops up, people are going to call that cheating. I'm sure that a lot of these young athletes are genuinely going through a change in their life and how they see themselves. But you have to know that there are some that are doing this specifically to get a competitive advantage. I'm sorry, that's human nature. That's simply the way we are. There are people that are going to try to take advantage of whatever loophole in the system they can. And some people, you know, they're not going to care that they game the system. Just as long as they can see their name in that record book as the victor, that's all that matters to them. And just as an example of the physicality making a difference in competition... Everybody knows Serena and Venus Williams. They have been the most dominant female tennis players for as long as I can remember. In 1998, I think it was the Australian Open. At the time, I think Serena and Venus between them had won something like 17 major tennis events. But they played sort of a exhibition match against a male tennis player, uh, a German player named Karsten Brosch. Uh, He was currently ranked 203 in the world. Now, certainly to be ranked anywhere on the list of the men's means you are a phenomenal tennis player, but we also understand if you're ranked 200th, you're not winning a bunch of tournaments. But he played a single set against Serena and then against Venus. Granted, at the time, I would guarantee you I don't know what their actual ranks were when this happened. I'm sure that both of them were ranked in the top five. Carsten Brosch beat Serena six to one, and then he played a set against Venus Williams and he beat her six to two. I think the average men's serve, the average mile per hour is something like 25 miles per hour faster than the average woman's. There is a very clear competitive advantage for men competing against women. I'm not being sexist. I'm not being hateful. I'm stating a fact. And if you would like to see where this has gone in my lifetime. In 1979, the comedian Andy Kaufman, I'm sure all of you remember him. He started doing a bit in his shows as he toured around the country. And the bit was a fictitious wrestling federation called the Intergender Wrestling Championship. And Andy Kaufman would wrestle women. This was not a scripted, staged event. He would goad women in the audience to volunteering. And then just to prove that he was not using a shield or using a hired actress to do this, uh, he would have the audience, after he had about 20 women who would agree to wrestle him, he would have the audience vote on which woman that they wanted to see him wrestle. Now, he did this all across the country. He did it on Saturday Night Live one time. I think in the Saturday Night Live appearance, he actually wrestled Lorraine Newman. Now, if you remember Lorraine Newman, she was a very funny comedic actress. I'm sure she had a lot of improv training. She was not a physically imposing person. Uh, She looked like, especially when she was in that ring with the leotards on, you could see her arms and legs, she looked like she might weigh 85 pounds. But Andy Kaufman did this for several years. He never lost a match. The humor from this bit was that you have a man wrestling women. And beyond the ridiculousness of a man needing to compete against women in order to get wins was the over-the-top preening and bragging that Andy Kaufman would do about he was the champion, he was undefeated, nobody was going to take his belt away from him. It was a farce. People understood that the joke was on Andy Kaufman in that situation, because it is ridiculous that a man would take pride in physically beating up women. Now, if you want to juxtapose that to today, uh, the state of Connecticut a couple of years ago allowed transgender genetic men to compete in women's sports. After a couple of transgendered athletes have completely dominated women's track, there was a complaint filed against the governing body of that state's interscholastic sports. Um, It's actually going to court, but this is a statement from one of these transgender athletes. She said, I am a girl and I am a runner. I participate in athletics just like my peers to excel, to find community and meaning in my life. It is both unfair and painful that my victories have to be attacked and my hard work ignored. This individual is taking herself a little too seriously. I feel like that anyone in that situation would have to understand that they are bringing a competitive advantage to the table and that the people that they are competing against, and in just like in this, dominating against, they're going to feel like they are being unfairly robbed of a chance To win track meet. And I think it's very telling that this individual, their first complaint was that they felt like they were being treated unfairly. Every person on this planet has physical limitations that they have to accept. I love NFL football. I am short and I can't run very fast. Therefore, I don't have a prayer in hell of competing in the NFL. I have terrible eyesight, so I cannot be a fighter pilot. And I cannot be a commercial airline pilot. Now, I can stomp my feet and say that that's not fair, or I can accept those two realities and I can move on with my life. And I really believe the simplest answer to this is to tell genetic males who are transitioning, you are welcome to run track. You have to compete with the men. That's not being hurtful. That's not being discriminatory. That is Accepting reality on reality's terms. All right, that's all I have for you today, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sure this topic will make a few people uncomfortable. I have fear of cancel culture. That's why I'm able to say this stuff. Number one, this show is so small that the chances of anybody getting wind of it is next to zero. And the other part of it is, is if I were to be canceled, I'm out a month and a half of my life and $72, it really wouldn't be the end of the world. But mostly I'm not worried about it because when I say that there are physiological differences between women and men, I'm not saying that to be hurtful and I'm not saying that because I am prejudiced or stereotyping anyone. It's simply the truth. And the truth is not racist and the truth is not sexist. The truth can be hurtful But the truth is never malicious. All right, guys, thank you for sitting with me again today. I hope you enjoyed the show. I certainly enjoyed bringing it to you. If you'd like to send me a comment, you can send me an email at freshfrosensoutherner at gmail.com. If you would like to share the show with a friend or leave me a positive review, that would be greatly appreciated as well. All right, guys, I hope you have a good day and I will talk to you soon. Bye.